Good morning. We're entering into part four of the, uh, this is the final part of our series uh, on relationships called Sticky Love. This is all about sticking together in relationships so that we might stay in love because that seems to be such a great challenge. So I just want to remind you that this is part four, but they're, they're not individual. The parts, they really are parts. They were designed to go together as a whole. So if you take one out from the, 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 the package, it's just not the same. It's, they're designed to go together. So I'd encourage you, if this is your first time, hey, welcome. Glad you're here. Glad you're part of this. Um, but go back and listen to the podcast and get the whole playlist from beginning to end and build the thing up because we are really about uh, strong relationships. So um, I want to tell you this just as a way of kind of introduction. So if you're not in a relationship right now, hopefully you will be someday. Um, and maybe you found that uh, some of the content that we talked about is not, maybe not entirely relevant to your current stage of life, or that's the way you feel about it. But hopefully you were at least able to have um, some takeaway from the whole process was that this ancient collection of manuscripts that we, uh, that we bound together into this thing that we called the Bible has so much to say about today. Um, it, it is such great insight into relationships. It has, uh, helps, helps you find that best, best pathway into life. And so I don't, I don't know what your view of Christianity is or how you feel about that, but I know a lot of people sort of have the, it's heaven someday. That's what we're talking about. That's what the whole thing is about. I hear about it at funerals. That's what we're supposed to do. But what does it have to do with today? And so I hope that the practical, the living it outness of, of, of this uh, Christian beliefs and, and scriptures that we have done um, through this series has made it, you see that it's, it's tremendously applicable to everyday life, that it's, it's about living with better relationships. It's about um, learning how to even make better decisions. And Christianity isn't just about heaven someday. Following Jesus is very much about the here and the now, how we live where we are. So today we're going to look at a decision. It's a decision that everyone who is in love makes every single day. They make it on a constant basis. It's sort of a fill-in-the-blank choice. Or what I like to say is this, this is a decision about choose-your-own-adventure relationship or choose-your-own-adventure marriage. And so um, it's one of those decisions that you make so frequently that you probably don't even realize that you're making it. Everybody who is in love makes this decision every single day. And it's a habit. And the habit that you have, the way that you answer, um, that the way that you approach this choice will have a lot to do with whether or not you are able to stick in love, to stay in love together forever. Uh, this is something that you, uh, that you did intuitively when you first started dating, when you fell in love. But as time goes by, we kind of fall out of this habit. Um, and consequently, we begin to undermine the quality of our own relationships. So to help us move forward into this area, I'm going to direct you to one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible. Um, this is a place that many people have heard from lots of times, and they, they've heard it quoted, and a lot of times they don't even know where it comes from, but odds are pretty good that uh, you've heard part of this passage somewhere. So slide on over to the love chapter. In the love chapter, um, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to his friends in the, the city of Corinth, um, and he was teaching them how to be together, how to, how, as the group, how to stick together. And so Paul lays out a whole bunch of stuff for us, chapter after chapter after chapter. This is how it goes. And we're going to dive kind of right into the middle of what he was doing with this how to be together sort of stuff. Lucky number chapter 13. 
And I'm going to read just a small portion for you. And you say, why? Why just a small portion? Let's do the whole thing. You go, no, no, because I think most of 1 Corinthians is really, really obvious. It's just, it's just on the surface, okay? So I, I, you can go, well, yeah, I know I need to work on that, right? Or, of course, if I did that, I would be better. Um, and she does this part so well, or she does not do that part at all. But they're all good reminders. Thank you very much. But there's this one verse when you get in there. Verse 7. There's especially one phrase in that verse. And it's, it's kind of a nice flowing groove, right? But wait, what just happened? And you think when you read it, you go, man, I'm not even sure if that's good advice. That, that might not even be realistic. The, the Apostle Paul is trying to say one very powerful thing, um, something that people who are in love do all the time. But instead of giving one statement, he gives four statements. And the four statements go together to communicate one very powerful idea. And on the surface, you might say, again, it kind of sounds like bad advice. I'm not sure that's the way it should go. On, on, on the surface, you might quickly glance at that and you say, well, he, he can't actually mean what he's saying, can he? Because that just sounds unrealistic. So we're going to start a little bit back from 7, sort of get the flow coming into that. We're going to start at verse 4. Again, maybe you know the rhythm of this. It goes, love is patient. And we go, check, got it, understand that. Love is kind. Yep, that makes sense too. It does not envy. It does not boast. No arrogance. Arrogance never helps. We know that. It's not proud. It, doesn't, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And we go, right, I remember that. We've all got some anger issues, right? We've got to work on those. We've got to stay alert and pay attention to where we get angry. And we touched on this a little bit last time. He says, what is it that's really making me angry? Not just, I'm angry, but Why? Am I angry? But all of those, again, you go, well, they're all kind of straightforward, right? And we could, if you'd like, we could break them all down week after week, and we could get some real depth of them. But I think, honestly, first reading, first glance, you just get the general idea of these things and say, yeah, those are all good things if I was in a relationship. They show love when you do them. And that's great because we are all committing, right, to make love a verb. That's what we're committing to. And, and then you, you know that if those things happen, you, you feel love when, when you receive them. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And this pokes a little deeper, doesn't it? Right? Some of us, you kind of make lists and you tend your list to make sure it's in good order. And maybe you can remember your parents or someone, your uncles maybe, and they got together and they opened up the chest of past offenses and say, let's pull out some of these treasured gems again. And I still remember when you... <laughs> We've got to keep moving forward. We, 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 can't, we can't live like that in the past. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And we go, thanks, Paul. You are pretty smart. Those are all good reminders. And of course, I know I need to work on some of those, but they're all pretty much self-evident. There's nothing that's really tricky in there. But then we get to what we call verse 7. And oh, yeah. Verse 7, it changes things. Here Paul takes a little Greek word and he uses it four times. And he matches it up with four different words or phrases. And, and, and he does it four times rapidly. And he does it four times differently. And they all add up to make one specific point. And if you pull any of these out by themselves, they don't have nearly the same value. It's a package 
deal. Paul is, is uh, getting at one of the most important habits, one of the most important practices in a love relationship, and especially in a romantic love relationship. Here's how he says it. Verse 7, it. And it here is love. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And in other translations, those words come out a little differently. So maybe you've heard it more as love bears all things or believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And now that phrase, believes all things or, or, or trusts, you go, man, that doesn't, that doesn't sound so good, right? Like right there, we might have a problem right there. So you're saying that love is blind? Um, and that one by itself, if you pull it out, you pull it out of the group, that's gonna be a, there's going to be pushback on that, right? You're going, I don't know if that's a good idea. Is, isn't that what we call codependent? I mean, is that even healthy to do it like that? Come on, look at reality. And the, the, the Apostle Paul, he has this, this, this principle that he's communicating, and it comes from the collection of the four statements, not any particular one, okay? So let's just try and figure out what he's getting at. Okay, in our life, we have this thing called expectation. In every relationship, at some point, there is a, there's a, the way that there is a, a gap between what we expect and how people behave. And at some point, in between expectation and behavior, there's this thing we're going to call the gap. I expected you to do this, but as it turns out, you did that. And we're going to talk about personal responsibility here. So you are not here this morning to answer for someone else. As kind of that is on your part to be here to think about somebody else, today it's all about you. Uh, you said that you would be here at 4, expectation, but you arrived at 4.38. That is the gap, right? There's the gap. You said from now on, I will, but you did not do that. You promised that you would call, but you still haven't called. And at some point in every relationship, no matter how good it is, but particularly every kind of love relationship, there's going to be a gap between um, what is promised and therefore expected. And whether it's expected because you said it in your wedding vows at the front of your church, or during a discussion time with you and your spouse, or maybe it was a budget planning time when you were going to try to agree on what we're going to spend and not spend, or... Maybe it was just something you, you said in passing. It can be something really deep and important or kind of shallow and trivial, just sort of on the surface. Maybe even deeply significant things. But in every romantic relationship, there is a gap between what we expect uh, and generally on the, um, what we expect that's based on uh, arrangements. It's based on my past, my past experiences. We say stuff like, you know what, my mom always used to do this and my dad was always like that. And, and, and in between that, expectations, there's this gap. And you remember that choice that I mentioned right at the beginning? I said, well, there's a choice that you make all the time. Now, this is the choice that we make all the time. In every one of these gaps, we place something. We either choose to believe the best or assume the worst. It's one or the other. Every single time when this happens, when we have a gap, we believe the best or we assume the worst. And you don't have to go much farther on for you to start to think in your head, what does my spouse do, right? 
but do you see what you do? We either believe the best or we assume the worst. And this thing that we place in the middle begins right in your own mind, and it happens like that. And I'm not talking about what you say to them, right? It's not that far. But as soon as you identify the gap, boom, it's there. In that relationship, I expected this, that's what you did. We immediately, in our minds, we go somewhere, and that that somewhere is believe the best. We say, well, you know what? She's been really busy lately. You know what? She's done so much for so many people, right? It's not a problem. I'm sure she didn't even mean to do that. I'm sure there's a really good reason for her to be late. Believe the best. Or assume the worst. You know what? She doesn't pay attention to time. Whether it's a watch or a clock, doesn't matter. And she can't use the clock on her phone because she's too busy texting all the time or scrolling through this and on and on. That all happens right in our mind in the flash. As soon as we identify it, it just happens. And then we develop, we begin to develop an attitude. Um, whenever that gap is, our brain goes to what's easy, I'll do the same thing. Believe the best or assume the worst. And in all relationships, we put something in that gap. We do it all the time. We put it in the gap because that stuff, it begins right in your mind. Then eventually, it will come out of our mouths It will come out in our behavior. There are two things that help us to determine what you're going to do, what you're going to put in that gap spot in that moment. What you see and who you are. Number one, what you see. I see that he has not shown up yet. That's what I see. And because of what I I, I have, um, because of that, I have to decide what I'm going to put into the gap. What you see who you are. And the, who you are is the harder part. And we just never factor this in at all. It just doesn't come into our minds. But remember, we all came into our relationship with some of the beads. Remember? Blue beads, pink beads from last week. You had a mom and you had a dad. Maybe they were great. Maybe they weren't so great. And, and, and what they did or what they didn't do and the relationships that you had um, in the past have all affected and in some cases, infected your heart. And you know this. If you've been married for any length of time, it doesn't take long for your spouse's response to you to trigger what you have experienced with previous people in your life. It reminds me of. It makes me think of. And what determines what you put into this gap is the combination of what you see, what actually happened, and who you are, what you're bringing in what you have experienced, your hurt, your pain, your joys, what you saw growing up, and what you've experienced in previous relationships, it keeps going here. Your fear of being abandoned, your fear of being betrayed, your fear of being on your own, whatever it might be, we bring it with us in great big bags. And all of us are impacted by all those things. And that helps us to decide what we put in the middle. Believe the best or assume the worst. So let me ask you something. You know yourself. You don't have to tell anyone else. No one else can read your mind. Do you tend to believe the best or assume the worst? 
in your mind. It's not what you said, right? Just in your mind. I'm not saying that it's not justified. I'm not saying that you don't have reasons. But where do you go? Where is your default mental space? Where does your spouse naturally go? Now, you guys are really smart, and I can tell. So you can probably see where this is going. People who stay in love, people who stick together, tend to lean towards believe the best. There will always be a gap between behavior and expectation in every relationship. Again, no matter how good it is. But when you find people who stay in love, you will find that they lean towards believe the best. They've developed it as a life skill. And this gives them freedom to be generous in their explanations. In their minds, they come up with an explanation as to why there is the gap. Those explanations tend to be generous to the other person. So with all this in mind, we're going to read our passage. Um, And remember, this passage is more than 2,000 years old. And you think, how could it be that perceptive? This might just be a key for those of you who are feeling very far apart right now. And maybe you're thinking this, this whole thing is just, is just hopeless. The love is gone. Or the, lo- the love is no longer enough. When you both get into that spot where your default behavior goes to assume the worst, it builds a cycle. And you know, you know what the hardest part about that cycle is? You will be right almost every single time. Just like I thought. Didn't I tell you that would happen? Oh, look who's late again. You might have even reached the point where you find pleasure in your spouse messing up because it gives you further proof that you were right again. And you love being right. You love being right more than you love being in love. And when you start this cycle... You start looking for it. You begin to anticipate it. You begin to even celebrate it. Let me go. I got to go and tell somebody else how bad she is with money, right? I got to go and tell someone how insensitive he is. And you think you're winning arguments. And you delight in your triumph and your feelings of superiority. I'd never do that. You are winning arguments. But you are losing the most important relationship in your life. And it's your choice. Every single time you decide what will go in the gap. Verse 7, it, love always protects. What does it protect? Love protects the integrity of the relationship. I'm not looking for something to slide into the negative column, okay? I'm, I'm trying. I'm working to protect this relationship. I'm looking for a way to put something into the positive calling. That's where my eyes go. I'm looking for a way in my mind constantly to keep love alive. Love always trusts. Love always looks for a generous explanation. Love always hopes. Always hopes. And I I bet there is a good reason for that. Hopefully he didn't mean to. Hopefully she she knew what she was doing. I'm not going to give up hope. 
And then we'll deal with whatever it is that we have to deal with together when we get there. Love always perseveres, always looks for the good in and around a situation. How are you doing on this? Have you ever thought of this as a life skill? Have you ever thought of this as a romantic gesture? Maybe, maybe she's really good at this and, and you're bad at it. Maybe, maybe he cuts you slack all the time and you think, well, of course he does. I'm pretty much perfect, right? What I did is nothing compared to what he did. And you just go negative and it's fast and furious. Where do you go with this? When you choose to assume the worst, even when there's plenty of history to back it up, every time you choose to go negative, you have contributed to the demise of your relationship. You have invested in a relationship demise account that has compounding interest. You are a participant. And I know that there's a story, and, and I know that there are factors, and, and I know that there are circumstances. But every time you assume the worst, it gets expressed in a growing way in your attitude. It gets expressed in your actions. It will come out in your words. It gets expressed in your response, in your email, in the text message. It goes both ways. Every time you go here, it contributes to the demise of your love relationship. Even when it's justified, you become a participant. So let me tell you something about your fiancé or your, the person you love or your spouse. Listen to this, all right? The last thing that they want to do is disappoint you. The last thing that they want is for, for you to feel disappointment in their behavior, in their response, in their performance. And it doesn't matter who you are. No one wants to feel like they disappointed the person that they are in a love relationship with. So when you go negative, it communicates this. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you will never measure up. You will never meet the standard. You will never get to where I expect you to be. Every time it comes up, it pushes you further apart. And in your mind, you're going, well, look, <laughs> you want to you quit disappointing me. All you need to do is get your behaviors to match my expectations. See, it's clear. It's reasonable. Doesn't that sound doable? So why don't you just do it? Surprise, surprise, right? That's not how to de decrease disappointment in your relationship. When you choose to believe the best and when you choose to communicate that to them, it creates margin in the relationship. And a healthy person responds to that margin and begins to move in your direction. And when you have consistently assumed the worst, they are afraid of you. If, if that's who they know you to be, then they dread the response from you. 
Nobody wants to be made to feel like they can't measure up. So in believing the best, you create margin. And what you communicate is that I trust you. Trust in a relationship means that I accept you. And acceptance means that I, <laughs> that you have not disappointed me. And here, here's what that sounds like in real life, okay? So you imagine you get the phone call, hi, honey, I'm running late. That's okay. Take your time. I'll be here and ready when you get here. Ah, I just realized I forgot to pay the bill. The response at that point is not, aha, I knew it. Just, I knew you were going to botch it, right? Look at me. Look at who was right again. Instead, it's okay. Thanks for letting me know right away. Now we can figure this out between us. Margin. 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 What you're saying is move my way. Come closer. Now, it's really important to make this clear right now, okay? None of what I have said removes the necessity for difficult, clear conversations. I am not for a minute suggesting that you should not confront the realities of the relationship. But what I am saying is that after those conversations where everybody has had their say, where things are, are being worked out, when you, when you have tried to get to a, a positive conclusion, even when you're mad, the next time you get to the expectations behavior gap, the next time you're there, you have a choice to make. Assume the worst or believe the best. But in the relationships that last, the relationships that thrive, relationships that stick together, will choose to believe the best. Do you want to know your partner's heart? Fiance's heart, spouse's heart? Their heart is exactly like yours. Our hearts are drawn to environments of acceptance. God built us that way. Believing the best is an opportunity. It's a strategy. Uh, it's a discipline. It's a tactic to draw your partner's heart closer, just like you did when you first met. Without acceptance, their heart does not come home when they do. Their heart stays where it is accepted and feels safe, no matter how badly they might want their heart to come home with them. And couples that have learned how to stay together forever have learned that there will always be gaps between expectation and behavior. It's not a surprise. The question is, what will I put in that gap? In me, in you, will love protect? Will love trust? Will love hope? Will love persevere? Here's how Jesus sort of summed the whole thing up. Do to others as you would have them do to you. When you assume the worst, how is that working for you in your relationship? I mean, obviously you're right, so there's that. And you're just so smart. If only others were as smart as you. But is your relationship getting better? 
What if you decided to do for him or for her what you would like him or her to do for you? That's old stuff, right? But for some of us, it might just be revolutionary if we begin to actually act that way. But I'm telling you, it all begins right here in your mind. Right here where you carry it all the time. As soon as you get that phone call, as soon as you get that text message, as soon as as you can identify that what you expected has not happened, you make a choice. You are going to fill that gap with assume the worst or believe the best. Your choice. Your life. Your relationship. But let me tell you why this is so important. Yes, at Into One, we are for happy relationships. Yes, we are for happy marriages. But the other reason is that for those of us who are adults and we have, uh, we have a generation of kids that are coming up behind us, many of whom have never and may never see a great relationship. They won't even know what they're shooting for. We have the opportunity to model a brand new kind of relationship. So maybe, maybe you came from a divorced family, or maybe now you're in a remarried relationship, and you have the opportunity to remodel and to help some people coming along behind you, help them to rethink relationships. But there's something that makes this even more important than that. There will be nothing that speaks to our culture louder about Christianity than our marriages. There is no greater evangelism strategy in our country for for declaring the reality of Jesus Christ and the fact that, that God is our Father than that our marriages work. If there's ever been a trend that this culture wants to buck, that they would, that they would like a trend that they could change, that if there's a question that unbelieving people have, they would love for somebody to come up with the answer is, how do you fall in love and stay in love forever? Because it's universal. Everybody wants that. Everybody desires that. We as believers, as followers of Jesus should be able to model this. Not because we are better than other people, but because of the fact that we are aware of the fact that we are not better than other people. We are sinners who have been forgiven, and we are learning how to extend that forgiveness and that trust to the people that we want to spend the rest of our lives with. Our greatest opportunity for impacting our culture is not just going to church. It's learning to fall in love and to stick in love. To love each other the way that our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, loves us. And it begins when we understand that God made love a verb when He sent His Son to die for us. It begins not just because he sent his son, but because he modeled for us what love is all about. As Jesus submitted to us on the cross so that so you have been invited to submit one to another. It continues by understanding that we, we all have junk in our hearts, just like Mr. and Mrs. Mug. We have to learn to monitor our hearts. Why am I really angry? 
And then it comes by remembering that we make a decision every single time I decide to fill the gap with faith and trust, not suspicion, not hostility. My goal isn't to win arguments or score points. My goal is to fall in love and to stay in love forever. And as we learn to do that, that maybe God will raise up a generation that will understand love in a completely different way. And perhaps God will use us to impact our culture and our town, our province, our country, maybe the world, as people begin to ask, how is it that, that you have been able to stay in love? How is it that you got through those difficult times? And we were able to say, it's, it's not because I, we're great or it's not because we're smart. It's because of our Heavenly Father and what He has done for us. What He's done in us through His Son. If you are not in love, I hope you fall in. You know, I, I hope you fall in deep. And I hope you stay there forever. Kind Father, thank you for allowing us to address you as Father. It speaks wonders just in that relationship. And Father, for those of us who are in relationships that are working, thank you. We don't take those for granted. We understand that's grace and mercy from you. Father, for those of us who are in a relationship now that we're just, we're just hanging on by a thread, I pray that today would be a hopeful day. And I pray that you would give every person here wisdom to know what to do with what they have just heard. Father, I pray for our, our, our college or university students or, and, and, and our singles who have all of this potentially ahead of them. Please guide them in a way that they could get it right the first time. For all who are hoping to move into romantic relationships, may they be so surrendered to you that they would believe, that they would forgive, that they would deal with this stuff that they bring into the relationship. And may there be a new wave, a new generation of marriages. People who are not simply against divorce, but who are for love and for sustaining love. Guide us forward as you would lead. Bathe us in your grace and mercy, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, you are the chosen, the beloved of God. Not because you earned it, but because He did. Wherever you stand in your relationships, understand you are beloved by God. Bless you as you try to work out the stuff with each other. So be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Ah, thanks for being with us today. It's better when you're here. It's better when we get together. And I'm convinced, again, that the more we connect, the better it gets. God reveals himself to us through each other. It's beautiful to be able to watch. So as you go this week again, I want to remind you that you're not just leaving, you're being sent. You're being sent because you're on a mission. We are Christ-focused, spirit-empowered, mission 
focused and the mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Go take the church and spread it around. Other people need to know what it's like to be loved and forgiven. You can help them with that. Do a great job.